everyone. Welcome to In the Lead with Jennifer Sang. Today is the very first conversation that I am hosting on this podcast, so I am super excited. And I got the chance to interview Rebecca McNeil, who is a self-love and embodiment coach based out of Phoenix, Arizona. And I've known Rebecca now for a couple of years. And, you know, every time we talk in our conversations, I'm always just so eager to have these dialogues. We just can talk for hours and we're just always on the same vibe and we're just always having these great in-depth conversations. So I'm really excited to be able to bring to you that conversation to all of the podcast listeners. Rebecca McNeil is a self-love and embodiment coach, like I said, based out of Phoenix, Arizona. She helps her clients identify imbalances in their own relationship with mind body, and soul, and works with them to restore a sense of harmony. This transformative work allows clients to improve their relationship with self and in turn improve all the relationships they have in their lives with people, places, work, money, and much more. Rebecca is a desert native, hiking enthusiast, iced coffee connoisseur, writer, and avid reader. She is passionate about self-discovery and self-awareness developmental trauma and healing, which we do touch on a bit in the podcast today, and making safe spaces in the world so others can feel confident stepping into their authentic expression. Rebecca is currently offering a program called Step Into Your Harmony, where she leads clients to help them identify areas out of balance in their lives, create and implement practices to restore harmony, and move into alignment towards their intentions and goals, which gives them more fulfilling relationships and experience more joy every single day. In the show notes, I will include ways that you can get in touch with Rebecca if you're interested. And in this conversation, we dissect trust. What does trust mean in organizations? What does trust mean to self? What does trust mean in relationship to being in the lead? So this was a great conversation. I look forward to sharing it with you and I hope you enjoy. Welcome, Rebecca McNeil. Thank you for joining my podcast. Uh, Rebecca is a self-love and embodiment coach, and today we're on the podcast to talk about trust. So thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. So I, I first of all, I, I always love our conversations. So you were a natural person for me to ask first to be like, you need to be on my podcast because I feel like every time we talk, I could probably hit record and post it and it would be just gold because I feel like our <laughs> conversations just always morph and evolve and kind of take on a life of its own. So I just, I, I truly admire our relationship that we developed and the conversations that we have. And I'm looking forward to sharing that with everybody um, on the podcast today. So I wanted to, and we had kind of talked about this originally um, a few weeks ago, but trust was something that came up in a leader's chat. So on Twitter, I facilitate a conversation every Wednesday at five o'clock Pacific called Leaders Chat. And the topic was about trust and trust in leadership. And it just got my brain kind of going all kinds of ways and feeling all kinds of feels and you and I had a conversation the very next day and I was just like, help me break this down. Tell me I'm not crazy because I feel like trust is this really kind of gauzy 
false constructs that we've all developed as a way to protect ourselves. So maybe the first question starting off to you is, how do you define trust? Oh my gosh. Um, well, first of all, I'm super excited to have this conversation as well. Um, man, trust defined. I feel like uh, I feel like I need some context. <laughs> um, so many of these big words get thrown around, and there's so many different like facets to them, and what they mean in different situations, different contexts. Um, you know, so trust, I feel like most commonly how it comes up is like, how, how much can I rely on this other person to be what they say they're going to be, do what they say they're going to do, show up how I'm expecting them to show up. Um, I think usually it comes up in the context of relationships with, with others. So that's not a Merriam Webster, um, definition, but <laughs> that's how, right. that's how I would define it. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, that's where my mind went first too, was it was like, okay, so it's some kind of an, an ex expectation or agreement for some future behavior or outcome. So we do see it a lot, right? Especially within relationships, friendships, and even in organizations too. I, I know working in my organization, I hear that word a lot of trust. Like we have to trust each other. We have to trust leadership. Um, and it, it, I don't know, it's just always kind of rubbed me the wrong way because it, it feels almost like there's some kind of accusation there. Like you don't trust. So mm. and you have to trust or else you can't be a part of this. Or if you mess up, that trust goes away. So it just always feels very, I don't know, like like there's some catch or there's some, like you need to perform a certain way. And if you don't, then it almost feels divisive is maybe what I'm trying to say is like, it's either you're with us or you're not with us or you're, you're them or you're us. Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely does. And what's coming up for me too, is almost like the transactional nature of it, right? Like, mm -hmm. like there's some sort of exchange going on. So like, I will trust you if you do this for me or give me this or show me this. And as soon as that mm -hmm. expectation, like you said, or agreement is broken, okay, the trust disappears, it's gone. So yeah. um, I think that's interesting because it's like, I think you see different forms of forms of trust. There's the kind where people talk about, like we're talking about something you earn. Um, and then I've noticed in my own life that in just the way I was brought up and not in an unconscious way, trust is given automatically in certain situations, um, which can be good, can also be dangerous. <laughs> mm. So, um, so that's something, that's something interesting too, but, but yeah, there's definitely, it's like a co-constructed type of, type of situation or yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you bring up a good point because that's something that I think about a lot too, is I think trust means something different to everybody. Like we're all from different experiences and backgrounds. We all look at it different. We all, that line that we hold for trust is different for everybody. So it, it just always interests and intrigued me when we just make blanket statements, like we just need to trust one another. Well, what is it? I mean, how do we break that down? Like, what are, what are you looking for? Um, and the, the first place my mind went when I was thinking about trust during this conversation we had a few weeks back was 
we inherently just trust certain situations. Like for instance, you get in your car, you drive down the road, you're just naturally trusting that someone's not going to veer into your lane and hit your car. Or you go to a restaurant, you're trusting that the cook is not going to spit in your food. Um, you don't know these people, but yet you have this trust. And I, where it came to me was it almost came back to the sense of control and safety. Um, for me, what it boiled down to was it's all about safety and it's all about vulnerability. And that's really what we're trying to protect um, is by saying, I need to be able to trust you. Like I tell you a secret and you're not going to share that. And to me, I don't, it just, it was interesting to me to kind of think through like all the different ways that we trust people and how in certain scenarios it becomes like more, um, more focused or more intense depending on the person or the situation. Yeah. I think you bring up a really good point because, um, it's like certain situations involve more risk, right? So there's some situations where trusting is easy because you're not going to, um, lose face or be rejected or whatever it is. Right. Mm -hmm. So like at a restaurant, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's easy to trust. There's not a lot of emotional attachment going on. You know, I mean, people get serious about their food, but, (laughs) (laughs) but all of that aside, you know, the food is not going to come out and reject us or, um, insult us or shame us for showing certain vulnerability. Um, so those are sort of like low risk given type of situations. Whereas in a intimate partnership where you're sharing something, you know, vulnerable, sensitive, fragile from deep down inside of you, um, that's a lot more risky. And from, you know, our biologically primal system, point of view, um, that's anxiety invoking, you know, your survival antenna go up and it's like surveying the area. Is this, is this safe in here? Am I safe to be me? Am I safe to show up? And, um, and once you get into that aspect of things, I mean, it's just, it's like, you know, Mary Poppins carpet bag, just infinitely full of stuff. (laughs) And there's so much that plays into, um, our trust in those types of situations, it's much more tricky to navigate. So, yeah, yeah, I think, I think you're definitely, definitely onto something. Um, it's easier to trust and it's easier for it to just be a given in certain situations versus others where it's where we look at it a lot more closely. Yeah. And, and when you were talking about risk, I mean, I was thinking like, even in your car, like there's a lot of risk. I mean, you could die. Like, I mm. mean, somebody could literally just decide, Hey, I'm going to, just T-bone you and take you out. But yet, and again, I don't want to induce any like fears here for anybody, but I mean, I do think about it. It's just like, we just inherently trust that the person driving on the other side of the road is going to stay in their lane and we're going to get to our place destination and it'll be fine. And that's interesting to me because there is quite a bit of risk there if you think about it. Mm. Um, but maybe not risk in the sense of kind of that internal safety that you were talking about, which I think is some of the riskiest places within us um, that it's kind of scary to go to. 
And I, you know, I was thinking also, as you were talking about, like, how do you see trust as it were, um, it were like in relation to the self-love and embodiment that you want to pursue and are passionate about? Yeah. I mean, trust is a huge component uh, of the work that I do. Um, and <laughs> it's just in all of these things, you know, and I'm, I'm sure you would be on the same page with this. It's like a lot of times individuals are really focused on the things outside of them, like their relationships with other people and their job and their family and this kind of stuff. Um, and so much of the, the discord or like challenges that come up in that are reflecting something that's going on inside or some sort of like internal dynamic. And so, you know, to bring this full circle back to the question of trust, <laughs> um, I work a lot, just, you know, my personal journey and then with clients on the self trust, what does it mean to, to trust oneself? Um, because if there is a lack of inner safety, a lack of inner trust for a variety of reasons, this can happen. Um, you just go out into the world in a, a much more, uh, I want to say vulnerable way. Maybe you don't present yourself that way. <laughs> Maybe you actually present yourself as, um, you know, rock solid with all of your armor, but, <clears throat> but you're approaching it from a much more vulnerable place. Um, on the inside. And when I say vulnerable, I just mean like more susceptible to being hurt or wounded. Um, because when you don't trust yourself there, you're not, um, you're allowing other people a lot more power and influence over you, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, so, so yes, um, I do, I do see trust a lot, but I try to, um, maybe when, you know, like with clients, if there's some sort of trust type of thing going on outside of them, then we try to kind of turn that inwards and see what else is going on, get curious. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I kind of came to the conclusion I came to around trust was that if we are allowing that trust to live outside of us, that power, that control, that perception, whatever, if it's living in someone else by me saying, Rebecca, I need to be able to trust you because I tell you the secret, you can't tell anybody you have all the power, right? Like I've given that up. But for me, trust just feels intrinsic. Like if you hold that trust intrinsically and you're good with all that vulnerability, all the wounding, all the trauma, all the, if you trust yourself, like Rebecca, I'm giving you this information and hoping that you don't share it. And even if you do, I'll be okay. Like yeah. the world doesn't end. It doesn't, and it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It doesn't mean I can never trust you again because internally I know, and when I'm in the lead, I know that I'm okay and I can do the work that I need to do to heal and kind of deal with those vulnerabilities as they come up. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. I think yeah. you hit on the key point there that self-trust is a huge component of that is knowing that no matter what happens, like I'll be okay. I trust mm -hmm. myself to pick myself up off the floor and move through this. Or I trust myself to, even if I need to lay on the floor and keep for however mm -hmm. long I will be there with myself. I'm not going to abandon myself in that, you know? Um, so yeah. 
and it's, <laughs> it's just like in, in a, in a relationship, you know, like in a intimate partnership, right. You want to, when you speak of trust, it's like, I need to know, <laughs> I need to trust that no matter how messy I show up, mm-hmm. you're not going to leave me. You're not going to abandon me just because I'm not, um, whatever perfect version I'm supposed to be or something, you know what I mean? But um, just as we might want to demand that from a partner, mm-hmm. we should, we, we also have to, you know, show up for ourselves in that way. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I know, you know, it's easy for us to talk about this and it's easy mm-hmm. for me to talk about it now and be like, yes. Um, but this has been a really huge part of my journey and something that I've really struggled with a lot stepping into that self-trust. And, um, I know I can remember distinctly, it was, it was like a couple years ago, but I remember distinctly, I was really getting into a lot of like inner child work and like reparenting and just kind of firing up that inner dialogue inside of me that would come up. And, um, and I remember this, this one situation where I was really struggling. I was having like some tough emotions and I was out in public. I was at like a, you know, a weekend soccer game with the family And, um, and I remember having this conversation with myself and I was trying to, you know, reparent and comfort myself and be like, you know what, it's going to be okay. I'm here for you. And it was, I kept getting this, like, I don't believe you. Like there was a part of me that was like, I don't believe you. You haven't showed up for me for so many years. And I know I can like, see that you're trying to show up for me, but I don't believe you yet. Um, so there was this inner dynamic of, of not like I hadn't earned my own trust, if that makes sense. (laughs) It wasn't a given. And so, excuse me. And that really got me thinking because it was a hard place to be, you know, you read all this, um, all these books and all this stuff about these things and building this relationship for yourself. And I was like, okay, I know exactly how to get there. And I'm having this conversation, but we're not there. So how do I build this trust for myself? And how do you build trust for yourself or in a relationship outside of you? It's the same thing. You, you keep showing up, you show up intentionally. Um, you show up with your whole heart, um, and you keep showing yourself or this other person who you are. And it's not like, you're not doing it just to gain the trust. You're doing it because it's, it's who you are. And over time, that can flower and grow and become stronger. So yeah, yeah. that's really beautiful. I love you were talking about reparenting. Your whole story just reminded me of my own kind of therapy journey and thinking about how I also suffered with a lot of, as I'm starting to show up more and more for myself, parts of, parts of me were like, yeah, I don't believe you. Like you haven't been here for 40 years. Like why are you showing up now? Like what are you, what are you going to do? What are you going to do for, for us? Right. Um, and what was interesting was it was very uncomfortable. Like, I feel like a lot of times, especially with inner work, a lot of people are afraid because it is very uncomfortable, just like a lot of things in life. It is not easy. It's not comfortable, but the more you kind of come back to it and you sit with it longer, come back to it over that consistency that you build, it starts to build that trust and it starts to become, like you said, it starts to flower and it starts to blossom. And it's not that same resistance and like skepticism that you can feel where it's like, okay, this is, this isn't going to work. But it's that uncomfortable place that I feel like we try to avoid a lot. Um, Yes. I, I see that a lot. And for me, it was just 
my therapy journey and really showing up for myself and sitting through really uncomfortable things and really showing up for myself was really kind of the key turning point, at least in my life, knowing that if I can show up for myself, like in that moment, I can show up for myself in almost any moment. Like even if somebody betrays trust or even if someone you know, hurts you in some way, like you can always come back to knowing you can make it through that discomfort. Yeah. Um, so it, it's definitely a journey. And um, I love that. I, I just love your story about the reparenting because that totally resonates <laughs> with me. You know, that's totally yeah. my jam. <laughs> yeah, um, no, for sure. I, I appreciate what you said though, about the discomfort, you know, being uncomfortable. And, um, you know, I think that, it's important to kind of like stop and acknowledge that. Cause I think originally, like initially when I hear somebody saying that, like, Oh, you know, inner work is, is hard. You got to be up for the discomfort. Um, that in this moment, it's not like provoking too much, but I know in the past hearing something like that would just provoke shame. So immediately even hearing that I would just be like, Oh God, like, I don't, I'm not willing to work hard enough for myself, you know, and like, <laughs> and just start saying these um, silly things to myself about that. Um, and I think it's, it's okay to be uncomfortable with embracing discomfort, <laughs> like just because, yeah. um, you know, the way to, to doing the inner work is to go through some of that discomfort doesn't mean you just need to throw yourself into it and just get as uncomfortable as possible all the time. Um, I, I, maybe that works for some people, but in my cultivating of trust, inner trust, um, that would have been a trust breaker. You know what I mean? Cause if I was like, I'm going to show up for you. And then, and then they're like, I don't know. And then I'm like, okay, let's go do something really painful and horrible. And you're going to feel like shit. I mean, crap. <laughs> um, that's not, they're going to, the, that part that's protesting, like, I don't want to trust you is going to be like, what are you doing? Like, thought you said you were going to show up for me <laughs> and you're mm -hmm. making it even worse. So, um, all of that to say that I think a lot of times too, we approach this work from like a mind space and obviously the mind is really important. Um, but, but part of like the, the, what I try to say, the resistance to the discomfort is because it's not just like mental discomfort. There's actually like body discomfort, like physiological discomfort. And it's even more uncomfortable because oftentimes we totally ignore it. Yeah. Um, and we're completely out of touch with it. And so it's, our bodies are constantly trying to communicate with us. Mm -hmm. And if we just, you know, we ignore it, it gets louder and louder. Um, so I think that, you know, as we're on this, on these journeys, um, and, and trying to build that trusting relationship, I think it's also important to think about how we can expand the way that we show up for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So, um, and like expand how you personally can show up for yourself. Cause that's going to look different, in, you know, to different people, what is going to work best for them. Um, and it's not a, it's not a one size fits all approach. And it's also like, um, you know, there might be, as we're learning this, the person, whoever, if someone's mentoring you or you're reading a book or whatever, you might be handed like the shoe box that has some tools. And that's really only the beginning because, you know, you can show up for yourselves in those ways. But then I, I always 
like want to encourage people to be more creative and thinking about how they can show up for themselves. Um, Cause that's really, it's sort of like, you know, you meet somebody new and you want to go out on like a cool date or something and you really like them a lot. So um, yeah, you've done the dinner in a movie, maybe you've done some walking at the park and then you want to come up with like some really cool, like unique date idea to show them how special they are to you, <laughs> you know? Um, and it's sort of like going out of your way to find that special thing uh, to show up for yourself, you know? So, um, yeah, I don't, I'm trying to, trying to close the gap here of how I got from like discomfort to expansively showing up for yourself. <laughs> but, um, you know, I guess, I guess I feel like, like there definitely are moments of discomfort, but you can, we can ease our way into, it, it doesn't have to be, you know, a painful, a painful type of discomfort, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I always look at it as two ways to jump in the pool. You can either go running in, cannonball it in, which just happens to be my personal preference. Like I'm <laughs> not a like take the steps one at a time. But yeah, I mean, I don't think there is like a defined, this is how you have to do it. And one thing I wanted to touch on about discomfort, because I think that is so key, is that you said you mentioned like it's okay to be uncomfortable with the discomfort. Like that is totally okay. It's not something's wrong with you or you just have to feel into it. And it's like this like kumbaya moment. It's beautiful. And it's amazing. it can be really messy and hard and that's okay. I think it's, we build our muscle or we build our, we lessen the resistance, the more we go to it. So we feel a lot of resistance in the beginning, but the more you keep coming back, you'll notice that there's more space. That's yeah. great. And what came up for me, which has been a very powerful moment that I think about so much in my, and of course, my therapy journey was sitting on the couch and how you said it's a physical thing. I remember we were, my therapist and I were talking about something that was just really traumatic for me and um, sitting there and feeling in my body, like the most dreaded panic attack you could ever feel. My body was just like on fire. My heart was beating. My I, I just felt like I couldn't sit there any longer. And what was interesting for me in that moment was I noticed there was a narrative. There was a narrative going on separate from the conversation I was having with my therapist that was saying, you need to get the hell out of here right now. Like it was, mm -hmm. it felt life or death. It was like a real panic attack. But I, I noticed all of the sensations in my body. I noticed kind of the story that was being told. The mind was making up based on the physical response that I was having in that moment. And it took a lot of courage and a lot of discomfort for me to say, it's okay. I can sit here through this. We're okay. Like I had to really be very mindful and really force myself to stay, but it was that discomfort. It was feeling it in my body so strongly, but then also hearing the story yeah. that was going on in addition to that. So noticing all those different components and also staying with it. I think doing that over and over again has just helped, I've noticed for me, expand kind of that threshold that I have around that discomfort. And now it's not as strong. I mean, it still comes up even 15 years later, Rebecca, I swear. I say to my ther some therapist sometimes, I'm like, when will it get, like, when will this go away? And she's like, it may never go away and that's mm -hmm. okay. But it's just your body's reaction to something. And just knowing that and really, again, trusting that 
I can, I can be okay in discomfort. Like it's, it's really okay. Yeah. Um, but that was just such a, I always reflect on that moment because it was just so like etched in my mind of like, that is exactly what you go through on a daily basis. And can you stay with that discomfort? Yeah. Um, so, and, but definitely a physical thing. I mean, I've, I, I notice that a lot is there's a lot going on in the body that I don't think we acknowledge enough. Yeah. I, I, there's so much in that story that you just shared. I really appreciate <laughs> sharing that. It's like bringing up so many things for me. Um, and the, the first thing that's coming up is, uh, that I, I want to say I had a similar experience, but not exactly quite the same. Um, but I had sort of like a turning point experience when, um, it was actually with my brother. <laughs> I was, ha- I was, some things had happened in my life and I just had, had gone into a downward spiral. Um, and I've suffered a lot with mental health issues, um, most of my life. And, um, and I felt I'd been doing really good for a while. And then some things had happened and I just felt like I had been sparked into, like depression again. And it scared me so much because I was feeling these things, um, that I hadn't felt in a really long time. And it was like, Oh my gosh, like, am I going to be able to get through this? (laughs) Like, am I going to be okay? And, um, at the time I'd been, you know, I'd been reading a lot about like trauma and about nervous system regulation and activation and all those types of things and, and learning more about somatic type of practices. And, um, I was just investigating. I wasn't, you know, working with anybody. Um, but my brother, we had a phone call and he encouraged me on that phone call to, he just stayed with me, held space, um, to just feel into the emotional experience that I was having. Um, and to as much as possible, completely shut out the mind. (laughs) And, um, this is extremely challenging for me. Um, I am a very cerebral person, (laughs) like my mind is always going. And um, even even in the past, when I had tried to like feel emotions in my body and stuff, I was seeing them, you know, because we people talk about, you know, what is how how does it feel? Is it moving? Is it staying the same? Is it hot? Is it cold? Um, and so I'd be like seeing in my brain, like swirls and I had to be like, no, like go back into the stomach and just like feel the swirls, you know? (laughs) Um, but, but it was sort of like this magical experience. I don't know where on the phone for maybe like two hours. And it was the first time in 30 something years that I had ever just, just felt and didn't, didn't have the dialogue about what I was feeling, you know, like just kind of quieted that because, you know, you were saying that you're having this intense physiological and mental experience and you're witnessing the the sort of dialogue that was happening the discourse that was mm-hmm. happening in your head and um which is which is powerful uh there's so much awareness that can come through for that and and it for me it was like i needed to go even further than that just like totally shut off the dialogue uh cuz they play into each other right like yes. i i i read recently like the emotional, when we have these emotions come up, the physiological response, like if we, if we were to just not think anything about it, just let our bodies do its thing. It's like 90 seconds. It lasts Mm -hmm. for 90 seconds and you move through it. Um, 
I, <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think I've ever just felt anything for 90 seconds. My brain is just way too active for that. You <laughs> no, know what right? I mean? But, but yep. hearing that was just like, Oh my God, like if mm -hmm. I, if I could just shut off my, my brain, the thinking part of it for 90 seconds and just like feel this move through me and then move on with my day instead of it, like, you know, putting me into a, a six month depression <laughs> or right? something, you know, imagine how much um, suffering we all cause ourselves yeah. by really latching on to those. And, and that, in my, um, I, the first therapist I ever saw was actually a somatic therapist. And that was one of the best experiences of my life. Cause it was all about getting back into the body. But one of the things analogy or metaphor she gave me really early on that stuck with me was it's like stubbing your toe. You know, when you get that initial, like, oh my gosh, like, oh, like it really, really hurts. But then it like slowly kind of subsides. And then after like a couple minutes, you're like, oh, I didn't stop. What happened? Like nothing, but it's that whole, like, and I look at anxiety and panic attacks. Similarly, it's like, yeah, you'll notice it, it has a, it has a very defined start and end point, but we can extend that depending on how much we feed into it much our story starts to latch on and take over. But if physiologically, it's actually not that long, at least for me, I've noticed it doesn't last more than like 10 or 15 minutes, like yeah, physically. And, and I feel like That's too, it. it's, if we, um, I feel like this, okay. How do I say it? It's like troubleshooting, right? So this is, mm -hmm. it's like when you have this intense thing come up, you try to just let it move through you. And sometimes, sometimes you know, these emotions are happening, like because of a story or because of something happened, sometimes they're just purely like <clears throat> some physiological thing is happening and it registers as, as an emotion, but it's not, it doesn't, it's not meaningful. It's not related mm -hmm. to anything. It's just the body like doing its thing. Mm -hmm. um, and, but I, I really feel like too, because I always try to play like devil's advocate and like, what would I have thought about this? If you had told me this, like, you know, three, four years ago, I would have been like, oh, well, that's just like denying my emotions more and just like ignoring myself. And I'm just like gaslighting myself or whatever, like, oh, it's not a big mm -hmm. deal or whatever. <laughs> so like, if you're having any thoughts like that, I'll speak to that really quickly. I, I feel like let your, give your body a chance to do its thing. Mm -hmm. And if emotions are communicating something to us, right? So if there's something that's meant to be communicated through it, that will come up for you you know, that emotion will keep returning. And maybe you'll see like that you're having it 10 times a day, every single day. And then maybe like, we need to do something more with that. Um, but, but as a good, like, just troubleshooting measure, what, I mean, if we just tried that, like, let him move through me for a minute and a half, how much of this like turmoil could we avoid, <laughs> you know, and then just really pay attention to like the things that, that really need to be, um, addressed. Uh, but, but what I wanted to say too, I think it's wonderful that you had support to move through that. And I think a lot of people need that support because it's scary. Like you don't trust that you can get through it on your own. Um, but I also feel like once you have done it, a couple of times, even just after the first time, like show up for yourself to move through something difficult, however that is in your life, automatically you're just like, oh, it's getting taller. Like there's so much more confidence now. Um, after I had that situ that whole situation with my brother, like later on, I would feel something would happen and I'd feel that same like sense coming back to me, like that pit in my stomach, everything is hopeless. You know, like the world is 
going to crap, like all those yeah. things, you know, like the dialogue starts. And then, but I've noticed that it's so much easier to be like, okay, this is not going to last. Like, okay, I know I'm feeling whatever these feelings are in my body right now. And it's totally awful, but I know I'm going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And that was a big change for me because I think every single time in the past that I'd ever felt anything like sad, lonely, depressed, anxious, I truly thought like I wasn't going to get through it and I wasn't going to be okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that, and I'm laughing about it, but that is a horrible way to go through life. And I think a lot of people are moving through life feeling that way. Um, and so it's just, yeah, that's just a, it's a tough um, inner dynamic to exist within. It is. And one thing you said that I want to highlight that I think is kind of at the crux of where I've come to, especially around trust, is like you said, with confidence, it's something that you build. I also believe that trust is also something that you build. It's not something necessarily earned. To me, when I hear you need to earn that trust, it's almost like the carrot, right? We're dangling a mm. carrot out into the future and saying, okay, do you, are, are you passing the test? Are you good enough? Are you but it's more of something that we build day by day. And by constantly going back to that, that inner space, that discomfort and, and doing little doses, right? It's not, you don't have to be like me. I'm a cannibal jumper, but I know a lot of people aren't. You don't have to jump in to the deep end. You can take one step at a time, right? Dip your toe into the pool, dip it out. And then, but notice, right? And I, I also love how you talked about the, just the noticing piece and pausing and saying, how did I show up? How did that make me feel? Let me scan my body. Let me check what's going on. Because I feel like, at least from, from my standpoint, the more that I've been able to cultivate that inner kind of trust and inner knowing, I feel more, speaking especially around leadership, I feel more in the lead. I'm not necessarily dependent on my boss or other external influences validating me or providing me something. Like I know I got myself because I know I've been through all those discomforting moments when I wanted to just like leave and I can get through that. I can get through anything. And it's, it's not something earned because it's not something you can necessarily take away. That's something you build internally. Yeah. Um, so I loved your, your story. That was really, really beautiful. And I think it really puts a nice little bow around kind of the trust in the inner, inner work, because it's all about cultivating it and building it. Yeah, I, I definitely agree um, that it's it's definitely something that's built. Um, and I I feel like that's such a, it's a much more empowering way to look at it too, because, you know, if you see the building, like maybe you're building a brick wall and each day, you know, you're adding another brick. Mm -hmm. And and the beauty of that is like, sometimes we aren't going to show up for ourselves and sometimes we're going to make mistakes, just like, you know, other people we have relationships with. And just because, you know, you don't add a couple bricks one day or a few of them fall off doesn't mean the whole wall goes away. It's not like the whole thing just tumbles down. So um, that allows us to have grace for ourselves and for others, you know, in, in the times when things aren't super great, <laughs> but you can still keep going and keep building up. You don't have to start over from scratch. Right. Um, you don't have to start over from scratch. And I'm definitely a toe dipper. Like I am not a cannonball <laughs> jump in. It's cold. Um, sometimes that's appropriate. And sometimes I do want to do that. And I honor that, but mostly I'm a, I'm a toe dipper, like inch by inch. Um, and I think that it's good to know that about yourself mm -hmm. and be, you know, be attentive to that. And, and we can, um, 
sort of, what's the word I want to use? Like, like soften or, or pillow the uncomfortable experiences. So like, that's another way to build trust, put another brick in the wall and show up for yourself. Isn't like a lot of times we have to face uncomfortable situations and we know it's coming. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so it's like, I don't have a choice. I have to do this. Um, How can I, how can I set myself up for it to go into it in the best possible way? And then how can I set things up to, to take care of myself afterwards? Because I know that it's going to be tough on me. Um, So it's not about, it's not necessarily just about like in the moment, how you show up for yourself, but it's like, you know, the before and after parts too, Mm -hmm. like showing up for yourself in that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's the whole experience for sure. Mm -hmm. So given all that we've talked about, what is one piece of advice you could give somebody who might be interested in building kind of that internal trust? Um, Mm -hmm. What's one thing that they can do? Oh, that's such a good, that's such a great question. (laughs) Um, I think, you know, the number one first thing that you can do if you're not doing anything already is to uh, make a little more space to show up for yourself in your life. Make Make a practice of just being with you for whatever it is, whatever the experience is. Um, I know, I don't know, I feel like for a lot of years, um, I was ignoring parts of myself. And so um, it's really hard to build trust with somebody that ignores you. Because <laughs> you just feel like, well, I don't matter. Um, so, so I think like intentional, um, intentional time to be with yourself and get to know yourself and find out are you a, are, how do you respond to discomfort? What helps you um, self-soothe after you've been in a very uncomfortable situation? Are you a cannonball, like just jump into something crazy? Or are you like a toe dipper? Know that about yourself. (laughs) Um, So those types of things, that would be my, that'd be my one piece of advice, like just cultivate intentional time to get to know yourself. Awesome. And so let's say somebody is doing that. Let's say they're cultivating that but they're just facing a ton of discomfort and they're facing a lot of just physical, mental, emotional kind of reactions. And they're finding it difficult to really kind of be present with that. Is there anything you can, any words of wisdom you could give somebody who might be struggling with it? Yeah. I mean, it's, I feel like everyone's unique. So it's a tough, that's like a tough question to answer, but generally I would say um, that it's really helpful to have some support you know, whatever that looks like, um, whether it's from a therapist, whether it's from a good friend, a mentor, a coach, somebody safe, um, you know, that's very, very important. Um, but I know for, it's like, it's, it's like, if you're out in the ocean, just in this boat and you're just like up in the waves and down the waves, like you're just all over the place. Sometimes it's nice to have like a solid thing to hold on to. Like when you're putting your shoe on, you got to stand on one foot. It's nice to have a shoulder to just like have somebody else to put your arm on. <laughs> mm-hmm. So a lot of times in this, in this type of work, um, opening up to having some sort of support can be just a huge game changer. Yeah. Um, and especially if you have trust issues and no shame is intended in that. Cause some people could say that about me. <laughs> um, it's, 
that's part of all of this, right? Is being willing to trust somebody, <laughs> um, being allowing somebody to show up for you. Um, and 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 who's to say, right? There's a lot of uh, dialogue in like the self love world. Like you can't love somebody else until you love yourself. Um, and you know, there's some truth to that, but it's I wouldn't say that's like an end all be all. So when it comes to trust, um, where I'm not saying you can't trust other people until you trust yourself. Like that's that's not how it works. It's it's a it's a co-creative thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think the more you open up and allow yourself to trust others, the more you can cultivate that within yourself, and then that grows more, and then you can open up more. It's just this constantly um, moving together thing. But um, yeah. Yeah. I love the way you said that the co-creative process, because I, I tend to see it this, the same way is that it is a creative process that you create together. And sometimes it can be really strong. Sometimes it's not, but I think it's that safety element that you were um, hitting on. I think that is really important, especially with therapists or coaches or mentors. Like you said, somebody that you can really be your full self with and bring your whole self, even the frazzled, you know, uncomfortable, crazy, everything part, like bring the, all of those parts forward and be able to be safe so that you can sit through it. Because really at the end of the day, I, I tell my therapist, that's what I feel like she's doing for me is she's providing a safe space for me to just completely come undone and then put myself back together and sit through all of it and observe it and just be there with it. So I feel like I love what you said with the co-creative piece, because that's how it feels to me as well. Um, especially when we're talking about organizations and teams and families and, you know, friendships. I mean, I, I feel like it is a co-creative process and it, it's not linear and it's not just this like cut and dry, like you earn it and then you have it and then it's gone. Um, to me, it feels more fluid than that. Yeah, definitely. So I appreciate that perspective. Um, yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time today. Uh, I would love to give you some space for any closing thoughts or anything you wanted to, to share with the guests or listeners of the podcast. <laughs> well, um, hmm. I don't know if I have any, any um, concluding thoughts. I just, I feel like we barely scratched the surface. <laughs> There's so, uh, so, so many places to go with, with this type of um, conversation, but I guess, uh, I guess I want to say that the, the ending thought that's coming up for me is just really that this is something that we can build and acquire over time. So it's like, I feel like a lot of times we talk about this stuff and we want the whole pie, the whole trust pie. Like I'm just going to self trust myself and trust others. Just give me the whole thing. And, um, and this is really about like, just like a little, little by little, you know, like, how can I, how can I, um, build a little bit of trust with myself today? How can I open up a little bit more to trust this person today? How can I cultivate more safety in my relationships today? And like little by little, you go getting the pieces of the pie. So, um, I think just focus on what it is that you can do today, (laughs) you know, and and it's good to keep the long-term in mind, but, um, just breaking off little, little bites if this is a, a challenge for you, you know. That's awesome. Thank you for that. And I, I, I agree. I always feel like it's always pulling me back to kind of the present moment. That's how I kind of look at the journey is 
Yeah. Sometimes I get carried away and, you know, one year, six months tomorrow, but it's always somehow pulling me back to be like, nope, come right back here and let's deal with the discomfort in this moment. That's all we can, in you know, everything that's happening in the moment. Um, yeah. So I appreciate that. So where can people find you online? Yeah, definitely. I'd love to connect with everyone. Um, you can find me on social media, mainly on Facebook and Instagram. Um, my handle is Rebecca Moon with zeros as the O's. <laughs> um, and also you can check out my website, conversationsforgrowth.com, uh, conversations and then the number four growth.com. Uh, if you want to check out any of my coaching containers, we also do a virtual book club. I'm super excited about that. Awesome. Um, and I do have a blog on Medium as well under Rebecca Moon. So awesome. yeah, I'd love to continue the dialogue. Great. And I'll be sure to include those links in the notes for the show so that people can, you know, find your website and, and connect with you as well. But I just wanted to say thank you. It is yeah. always, always such an enlightening conversation with you. And I feel like I could always talk to you for like six hours and but <laughs> I'm not going to torture <laughs> people on the podcast with a six hour conversation, but I definitely feel like I have to bring you back at some point and we have to continue the dialogue and have more discussions. So I yeah, appreciate sure. you. Thank you so much. Thank you, John. That was a, it was a pleasure to be here. Mm -hmm.